Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. Mike Forrest wins the Jarrett Birmingham Bowl. And your biggest heartbreak. Jim Grobe is the coach of the year. Riley Skinner is the rookie of the year. And the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest are the Atlantic Coast Conference champions. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. Touchdown, Wake Forest. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here. I mean, this is just the gift that just keeps on giving, man. It's just, that music is so triumphant. It's so good. It's just... It just gets you ready, man. I'm sure people in their cars, let me know out there if you punch the steering wheel. <laughs> you just got extremely hyped when you hear that, just ready for the season to begin. But this is the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on said text line. Do you get extremely excited and hyped for college football when you hear that intro and Brad Nestler's voice, 704-570-9610? Hit that follow button on those socials. Check us out, all the behind-the-scenes stuff, trick shots. We're trying to do all that we can for you guys on the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram. Also, at Walker Mail, at West Bryan underscore 72, and at HTB underscore Josh on those platforms as well. What I wanted to ask is, how do we like the transition into the woo afterwards? Because, yeah, you might want to run through a brick wall. Does this thing have a nice escalator effect calming down? Because if you're in your car, I don't want you punching anything out. I don't want you punching the window out. I don't want you getting so jacked up that you swerve off of the road. And so we're trying to take care of you and hype you up as well. But, yeah, I'm glad that everybody is a, a fan of the team. Or Fitty he said, Walker, this is the best thing you've ever produced. And what's great about that is he says that after everything I produce, which makes me feel really good. Right. I think that um, the Escalator effect, it is good. But, I mean, if you're a Woo fan, I think this does keep you excited. Yeah, I know. Even maybe, when you hear this. Maybe, you know, there's only some people that I'm saving. Panther Bowie said goosebumps. Uh, Jack said, I don't get excited about college football until I hear Lee Corso say, not so fast. Well, all right, I apologize. I don't think I'll be able to. Uh, give you the same type of effect Lee Corso does. All right. Well, it is team week. We are talking about the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And today we talk about the offense and Wake Forest has been adept at that. When you talk about over the years, especially this Clawson era, they really put the points on the board in 2022. Wake Forest's 469 total points was second in the history of the program. They finished the season averaging 36 points a game. It was its sixth consecutive season of averaging 30 or more points a game. Longest active streak in the conference and the fourth longest in ACC history. Entering the 2022 season, they were the only program in the ACC to average at least 30 points in each of the last five seasons. And so also when you talk about this from 2017 to 2021, 
They produced their four highest scoring seasons in school history with each club scoring more than the next. And the Deeks like to get it done through the air because since the start of the 2017 season, Wake's 185 touchdown passes are the most of any school in the ACC. And that also ranks tied for seventh nationally during that span. So, Walker, offense isn't the problem in Winston-Salem. When you look at the Sam Hartman era in recent history, you talk about key turnovers that hurt them in some games, like when we were talking about last year against North Carolina. Offensive explosion, key turnover late, hurt the Demon Deeks chance. Then you look at the Clemson game last year, down six, chance to go up, fourth down, and Sam Hartman throws into double coverage, and Clemson gets the win. And it was their best offensive outing in in some time versus the Clemson Tigers because they normally shut down Wake Forest on a consistent basis. But what are you looking at this season when you talk about Wake Forest and that offense continuing to light up the scoreboard? Well, before I get started, I wanted to ask you a question real quick. Okay. What's the biggest win in the Sam Hartman era? Woo! Uh, He had the road win. No, he had the win at home against NC State, I believe, Two years ago when he beat Devin Leary and them, that was a big game. Uh, to me, that was his signature win uh, in the program when they had that very high-scoring affair night game at Winston-Salem. That was a huge game for him. Everybody was counting on the Deeks to get that one done just as far as this is their moment to kind of have a signature win. So I would say that one. So I guess my point is it's going to be tough to fill the shoes that Sam Hartman left behind, but there is some wiggle room. If you get a monster win, which, yeah, of course, if you get a monster win, it's just easy. And as that, done. Okay, Mitch Griffiths can take over. But you didn't have the Clemson victory. You didn't have the top-notch, top-of-the-ACC type of victory. And it's something that you were critical of Sam Hartman. I know you liked him quite a bit. He put up a ton of numbers, clearly a really talented quarterback. But there is some wiggle room for Mitch Griffiths to do something that Sam Hartman did not. And nobody's blaming Hartman for that loss against Clemson. I mean, you put that many points up, you go in a shootout. Maybe you are at the end. Go ahead, Wes. Talk your talk. Yeah, I just didn't didn't understand that decision-making at the end of the game for him to throw it in the double coverage like that. That's fair, but for the most part, was pretty damn good putting up points. He he did. did. And then even North Carolina, you talk about that, what, 58-55 victory against North Carolina, or North Carolina had over Wake. That was two years ago. Sam Howell at the helm. So there were some offensive outpours, even if you didn't have that big victory. Defense is clearly the thing that needs to improve. It just continues to move on that I feel totally comfortable with Mitch Griffiths taking over. In fact, Wes, if you want to go to any game he appeared in, whether he threw three attempts or whether he had three attempts passing or 29 like he had early in the season against VMI, dude threw a touchdown pass. It didn't matter. Any game he appeared in, he was going to throw a touchdown pass against VMI, Virginia Military Institute. Because remember, Sam Hartman had some off-the-field stuff that he was dealing with. Sure. And I thought maybe Mitch Griffiths was going to take over for a couple of those games. Hartman comes back a little sooner than expected, certainly given the narrative surrounding him at that time. But against VMI, 288 yards, 21 of 29 passing, three touchdowns, and zero picks. Only threw a few against Army, but had a touchdown pass, was two of three, and looked good in that in that uh, outing, I should say, 21 yards total. And then six of nine against Louisville. Yeah, it was in a loss, but had one touchdown pass, did have one interception as well. 
Mitch Griffiths has at least some experience. Now you're talking about some guys changing roles. You have your center that has his sixth year of eligibility that he's playing with right now. He's going to be moving to guard. You have some new running backs, but you have one that has 300 carries. So I think there's enough carryover, Wes, to help Mitch Griffiths take over as the new starting QB. There's going to be some changes for sure, but I think there's enough, and I believe in him as a player enough to where I think the offense is maybe not going to be as good as last year, but going to be totally fine. Uh, I definitely think this offense has a chance to be really good. And so when you talk about the skill talent that they have, I put Wake's receivers up against uh, pretty much anybody. Even without Perry? This group, yeah, no doubt. Because uh, Donovan Green, that's a name a lot of people are going to get to know. He's been bubbling for a while, just making big play, um, you know, after big play. But the numbers, he's had to sit behind some guys, had some injuries as well. But this is one of the big play receivers in the league. You talk about Jamal Banks. Uh, Banks is a guy that was one of the ACC leaders in touchdowns last year. And speaking of Donovan Green, just going back to that quickly, averaged 17.4 per catch last season, six touchdowns for him. Jamal Banks had nine touchdowns receiving. Taylor Morin had nine touchdowns receiving as well. And so uh, this is a group, too. Keyshawn Williams was rated very favorably by Pro Football Focus as far as one of the better slot receivers. Uh, in the country, and they also have a kid look out for Wesley Grimes in the spring game. This is a 6'4 yak receiver. We know that the A.T. Perry's and the Scotty Washington's of the world at Wake Forest were 50-50 ball guys primarily, but this guy, Wesley Grimes, can catch and run. So I think that Mitch Griffiths is in to have a very gaudy season when you talk about statistically, and then they just got to find that run game. But Justice Ellison very quietly had 700 yards and six touchdowns rushing uh, last season as well. And so you like what you see there. And then Will Towns is a guy also when you look at uh, in the spring game, he breaks off an an 80-yard touchdown run, looks to be a big play threat. So uh, Wake Forest offensively, I think it's going to be looking pretty good. Yeah, I think it's kind of a nice mix, right? Some old and some new. It it might be just what you want for a new QB taking over. And some of those names that you mentioned, Donovan Green, Jamal Banks, a couple of wide receivers that Mitch Griffiths will be throwing to, they combined for almost 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns just last year. So you're probably right, Wes. I know A.T. Perry, big-time producer. Maybe you're talking about the guy stretching the field, not being there as much. But one of these guys can step up and perhaps play that role. You also mentioned Justice Ellison had 307 career carries, but there's not another running back on the roster that has more than 14. And so you do have some guys that can help you. It just, it it seems like this is exactly what you want from a program, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to be able to keep everybody forever unless you're Sam Hartman and you'd stay in college football for eight years <laughs> yeah. like people are joking on the text line. But even Sam Hartman's of the world, even they leave your college football program. So if that happens, then you want the ability to replenish. And it looks like you're having a nice mix of guys that contribute, maybe can break out into stardom or ACC stardom in their season when it's their time to shine. That's why I totally agree with you with this group. Very excited to see what Wake Forest is going to do. And I wanted to leave you with this question for an offensive lineman. How have you felt about their offensive line the last couple of years, and what do you expect from them this upcoming season, the line protecting for new quarterback Mitch Griffiths? Well, I mean, you just talk about the proof has been in the pudding with all the numbers that they put up. Wake Forest has had an offensive line that has held up. And when you look at uh, the sacks against last season, now they did rank 
Uh, in the bottom tier of that, they gave up 38 of those, 2.9 per game. So you do want to see the pass rush or the pass protection get a little bit better in those regards. But you can't really argue too much with a team that's putting up the numbers that they are. And, I mean, you look at Wake Forest uh, offensively from a yardage standpoint, and these guys were third in the conference last year, 442 yards per game. They averaged uh, almost six yards per play. And so this is a crew that, like I said, they do a good enough job to be able to have uh, one of the best offenses in the country, especially when you talk about it can get a little bit predictable at times as far as just that scheme. You know, they're going to hang on to the mesh for a long time and then you got to guess from there. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is a solid group. You do have one offensive lineman that I was mentioning that is going to change from center to guard. Six-year center Michael Jurgens is going to be moving on the offensive line, but that's good. You wouldn't ask him to change if you didn't have somebody else that is ready to take that next step in place of Jurgens, who is moving over on the offensive line. So that is going to bring some talent. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Like I've talked to you about Warren Ruggiero, somebody that I think should be more celebrated. And so, Wake, it's all about the defense, which, of course, we're going to dive a little bit deeper in tomorrow to see if Wake can be bowl eligible once again and just what their ceiling can be post-Sam Hartman era. Yeah, man. So hopefully uh, Wake Forest, again, I did pick them eighth in my preseason poll, but that's just because of the defense, and I'm not sure what we're going to get there. But I think offensively they're still going to be up there with the top teams in the conference when you talk about points per game. So when we come back, folks, on the Wes and Walker show, we're going to be talking more Carolina Panthers. National media pundits picking Carolina to win the South. We're going to talk about oh, that yeah. and more on 92.7 WFNZ. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. WFNZ. Appreciate everybody hopping on with us. Just finished team week. We'll have Wake Forest defensive analysis tomorrow. Talking a little bit more about the offense today. Wolfpack James wrote in when we were trying to figure out Sam Hartman's biggest win. He said he was going to say the same thing as you did, Wes. And that win for Wake Forest sent them to the ACC championship. So that's why that was the biggest victory. But you wanted something bigger from Sam, right? Like you wanted the Clemson victory or is there another one outside of Clemson that would be better than what he did against yeah, NC State? Yeah, the damn ACC championship. Well, that title, I guess. Yeah. You know. uh, the, the thing is, I'm a big 
I'm a big expectation guy in that when you do what I expect you to do, that's when I start to get dismissive. And that's how I was with Sam. Man. I would sit there and I'd be like, after a while, I would know when he did certain things. I was like, here we go. And, and it was like the Carolina game last year. I felt like it was going to come down to Sam making the critical mistake, and he did it. Uh, the Wisconsin game when he threw the I four. I thought about you that game. I yeah, remember that one. when he yeah. threw the four interceptions. Uh, the Clemson game, again, like I said, he played great. But I expected when it came down to the last play, I was hoping for the best. But I was like, man. Well, and then when he threw in double coverage, I was like, it's Sam being Sam. I, I'm bringing a, a very small debate between you and Fiddy. Just you believe in Notre Dame. Fiddy doesn't as much because of Marcus Freeman, I guess, more so. But how much do you believe in that program this season with your boy at the helm? Yeah. Like, is, is he just kind of the floor raiser? Yeah. But the problem with Notre Dame is that. Of course the floor needs to be high. It's all about what their yeah. ceiling can be. I think that Sam is in for a rude awakening. I don't know that he finishes the season uh, as the starter because my thing Ooh, is we talked about last hot. year. That's yeah, hot, because West. because the thing is we talked about last year how Wake, you know, babied him a little bit and kind of let him not talk to the press after he went through the losing streak and things like that. And like I said, I'm a big advocate for mental health. My mom is as well. But, I mean, if you can't stand and face the music when you lose games, you don't need to be a quarterback. And my thing is, Wake is a place that, just like with the coaches, if you get to a bowl game, that's job security in Winston-Salem. With Sam, when he had a bad game, those are fans that are going to be, oh, Sam, we still love you. We're still behind you. Go up to Ohio State or play Ohio State to open the season and throw three, four picks and see what those fans are going to be saying. He's not ready for that. He hasn't faced that yet. He doesn't know that kind of pressure to where they're expecting with the numbers that he's coming with over 12,000 uh, yards in his career and, and 110 touchdowns and all the gaudy numbers that he put up. They're expecting that to translate, and they don't know Sam enough because they didn't watch him, and they're expecting him to take them to the playoffs He's not ready for that type of pressure based off what I've seen. Well, I might as well continue team week. if We're just going to embrace this idea <laughs> because I, I do want to ask you, being somebody that played for Wake Forest, were you ready to move on? Like, are you happy that you have a new quarterback at the helm now and you've moved on from Sam Hartman and you're just ready for the new era? Had he stayed, I mean, it's one of those things where stability, right? Had he stayed, you know, okay, Sam's going to have gaudy stats. Wake's offense is going to be good. They're going to win eight or nine games. But now, especially with what I've seen from Mitch Griffiths, coach talking about how he had the highest uh, completion percentage in the history of Wake Forest uh, football in his tenure there during the spring, watching the spring game, seeing the live arm, and it wasn't just dump passes. He's throwing deep. He's throwing intermediate. He's throwing short. I love what I see from Mitchie Slick. I like the moxie, mm. and I heard from well, you know, play sources. The team likes him a lot better than they like Sam Hartman. Sam was not uh, a very nice kid when it came to being a, a great teammate to his teammates, and uh, I heard, uh, yeah, 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 and I heard this from well play source okay. that uh, the team likes him a lot better than they like Sam. Personality wise, per yes, not, for yeah, sure. They said Sam had a small contingent of teammates that he was fraternized with and that was it 
All right. But they said Mitch is a team guy through and through, and they love him. All right. So Mitch Griffiths, Mitchy Slick. Mitchy Slick, that baby. That name is phenomenal. I will not call him <laughs> Yeah, anything. man. That's a West Coast rap out in San Diego, one of my favorites, but I like Mitchy Slick. I'm a, li- it, 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 I'm a little uh, worried that I might say a bad word for some reason. It just sounds like something <laughs> dirty is about to come out of well, my mouth. Well, if but... somebody got mad at him if he didn't play well, they could easily flip that. Yeah, you can use your imagination. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, maybe <laughs> it has something to do with the nickname that Rich Hill has in Major yeah. League Baseball. Fiddy, I know that you wanted to say something when we were discussing Wake Forest's biggest win. What was something that you had to say along the lines of the ACC big time games? I was just going to troll Wes and say, what about the time they beat uh, North Carolina? Wait, that didn't happen. Both times. And I was going to ask about the time they won the ACC championship. That, oh well, North Carolina. Okay, well, you guys that. haven't won one you, since you before I was born. Yeah, you, you were good. You were yeah. good if you just ended. You couldn't <laughs> stop, and you wouldn't have welcomed it. But then we all got our eyes big old wide, said, "Oh no, Fiddy, you can't say North Carolina won an ACC championship either." Right. Yeah, I know, but I mean, yeah, nothing you can say. <laughs> Why do you do I this? Just, I'm trying to troll, See, man. we're trying to give you the mic, and you did a nice troll job, and then you went too far, and then you fell flat on your face. Let's go to some professional ranks here. Let's talk about the Carolina Panthers because national media pundits are. About the NFL Network, they're talking about the Carolina Panthers. Bucky Brooks is, he said that Bryce Young and the Panthers will win the division this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, go ahead and pencil them in. They're winning the division. But just like Mark Ross talked about, this is the best team uh, in the NFC South. And part of the reason is because Bryce Young is going to come in and be a stabilizing force. When I look at this team, really, it reminds me a lot of when Russell Wilson came into the Seattle Seahawks in the early 2010s. Look, a little bit underrated in terms of what his immediate impact would be. Well, with Bryce Young, you know what the impact is going to be because we've seen him do it every stretch of the way. Saw him do it in modern-day high school in California. California. So I'm doing it at Alabama. We want to have like West. We will continue to see him do it in Carolina. And the thing about it is this guy is willing to do it as a game manager. And he really doesn't have to be more than that. What do you think of that soundbite? Because you said it sounds like you. Did you just want to pat yourself <laughs> and Bucky you know Brooks what? on the back? You know what? I give myself my own flowers sometimes, you know. Uh, but anyway, no, I, I, I he said in pencil, not in pen. But uh, I think that the Panthers are right there. Bryce Young is what he is supposed to be, and this defense improves under Ezra Evero. Uh, I still like the Saints, but I think the Panthers and the Saints will battle it out. I think it's going to come down to the last few games of the season like the NFL intended, which is why they put the division matchups at the end of the year. So I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I cannot say I think that Bucky Brooks is out of his gourd. Uh, with his statement there, I think that the Panthers, I would not be surprised at all if they won this division, even though uh, I still like the Saints. I think I like the comparison with Russell Wilson when he entered the league, because I think so many people had that comparison, except MVP type Russell, just because we always compare guys against one another or similar to one another with their peaks. But Russell Wilson, before he reached stardom, before he's in at least MVP level contention, before he's that kind of guy, you look at what he did his first year in the league, he wasn't throwing for a whole lot of yards. You know, not even a 3,200-yard passing season for Russell Wilson as soon as he steps into the NFL. And remember, he beats Matt Flynn, who got a big old contract after one game. Russell Wilson 
actually is better after they took him in like the third round and Russell Wilson leads the Seattle Seahawks to the playoffs and actually wins a playoff game, by the way. So here's 24-year-old Russell Wilson leading this team to a playoff win over Washington on the road, by the way, before they would only lose by a couple points to Atlanta the next week. And he had a monster playoff game in that one, 385 yards passing a couple touchdowns. My point is you can expect, especially because... It's a different era of football. We're talking about over a decade ago when Russell Wilson made his debut. But I still like the fact that, yeah, Bryce Young doesn't have to just be. uh, I don't think he's just going to be a game manager. But even if he is, then you can still see Carolina win some games that way. We were talking at the beginning of the show of him throwing downfield to DJ Chark, to Terrace Marshall Jr. And the fact that not only do we like this offensive line, but we think the wide receiver room in its entirety is a little underrated. Bryce Young can come in and do the whole 37, 3,800 yards passing. Don't know how many rushing yards he's going to get, but still rely on a run game with Miles Sanders and a good offensive line for a run game. Yeah, I kind of like that comparison, especially getting the playoffs such as the Seahawks did with young Russell Wilson. And then who knows? Once you get there, I mean, maybe you can make some noise. Yeah, and so I, I like that too as far as the Russell Wilson comparisons, and that's been one of my favorite comparisons with Bryce Young is Russell Wilson, uh, and he did come into that Seattle organization, and we know what happened from there, especially with the draft, and definitely got uh, some good fortune with some late-round picks turning into some all-time great players. And so the Panthers, hopefully they can do the same, but they've got a good enough team around him in a division where you're not looking up at a Philadelphia, you're not looking up at a San Francisco or a Kansas City or somebody like that that you know is going to dominate the division and be one of the more dominant teams. So I think that this is the division tailor-made for a rookie quarterback uh, to be able to come in with the right pieces around them and be able to manage to win it so right. i think everything's there for him to be able to do that bucky brooks thinks this team is going to win the division he mentioned mark ross in that soundbite let's go ahead and head and hear from mark of nfl total access Bryce Young's the best quarterback in the division right now. I'm taking him. Sorry, Derek Carr and all them and and Ritter, but I'm taking him, but also the foundation that he has. This is a talented team. This isn't your typical number one pick in the draft team that has no talent. They have talent all up and along the board, young talent, veterans that we've talked to, and also an unbelievable coaching staff led by Frank Reich, really an all-star cast in the coaching staff. So he's got the foundation on the field with the talent and an unbelievable coaching staff with the foundation off the field. I've never been the biggest Derek Carr fan, but I've recognized him as being a good quarterback and overperform at times. And you just don't know what you're going to get in some of those situations. But Derek Carr to me, at least this season, I do think is a better quarterback this season. I think that I do not think that's going to stay true for very long. Mark Ross is telling you, no, that's not even true this year. Bryce Young steps into the division as the best quarterback in the entire NFC South. It's easy to see that better than Desmond Ritter, better than Baker Mayfield, whoever is going to be starting for Tampa Bay or Atlanta. But with Derek Carr, that's clearly the hangup for a lot of people that are evaluating quarterback play in the NFC South. Are you, as much as you love Bryce Young, I know you love Derek Carr too. Are you (laughs) going to be alongside Mark Ross and saying that Bryce Young steps into this division year one as the best QB? Uh, I'm not going to say that yet until I see it, but I do think that Bryce Young is going to be right up there. I think he's going to be a hell of a quarterback for sure, but it's hard for me to put him 
over a four-time Pro Bowler uh, in Derek Carr and, and say that he's going to step in and be better than him immediately. But I do think that Bryce Young is going to be very, very good. Yeah, I do too. And I think it is going to allow them to certainly contend for an NFC South title. And I don't think that Derek Carr is so much better to the point where you think he's exponentially going to be better this year than when Bryce Young enters the NFL. I'm excited to see what is going to come certainly from him as a passer and also just what Carolina is going to be able to do offensively. Because if we compare New Orleans, Derek Carr to Carolina and Bryce Young coaching staff, I mean, it's not even close coaching staff. You're going to put a point in Carolina's favor quarterback you can call it call it a draw, or you can just outright give it to New Orleans because Derek Carr does have some success in this league. Offensive line, maybe that can be some sort of balance, some sort of draw defensively. I think Carolina has that potential, and they have some evidence to back it up, especially two years ago. They finished with some nice ranks there. I think that's why so many people, though, are going more towards Carolina. Do you think the coaching staff is the thing that sways most people when evaluating this team? Um, I think that, but I do think, too, the, the Bryce Young factor is there. I think they like that the the offensive players that they have brought in around him. As they said, it's not a typical number one overall pick type of team. Um, but I think that the coaching staff also, a lot of people are high on this staff. And, and we talk about who the pressure is on this season, man. And you got to look at it. The pressure is definitely on this coaching staff. They are getting a lot of billing from a lot of places. A lot of people are calling them an all-star staff and putting a lot of accolades on them already. So the pressure's on for this staff too, man. I mean, people are expecting Evero to take this to a top-10 defense. People think that Frank Reich is going to have this offense rolling immediately with a quarterback with the talent of a Bryce Young when you talk about the McCowns and all those guys, man. So the pressure's on for this coaching staff too. Yeah, I think you're right. I do wonder if more pressure comes with Bryce Young's performance this season than you would typically expect for a new coach-quarterback combo mm-hmm. because – We just seem so sure of this coaching staff. That's not necessarily the case for other top-ranked QBs coming out of the NFL draft. It's, It's still going to be just as it is with every other situation if it doesn't work out year one. You're not going to give up on the guy that you invested a first overall pick in. If Bryce Young doesn't perform up to par this year or even the next year, the first thing you're going to do is fire the coach again. I don't expect any of this to happen, by the way, but just to play in that alternate universe as we sometimes do. If that were to be the case, then Carolina is going to do every what every other franchise does. They're going to move on from the coach because it's a lot easier to do that than to move on from the number one overall pick. But I do think that if Bryce Young comes out and is lackluster, he doesn't live up to some of what our thoughts are going to be about him. It just feels like. This is a franchise that is setting Bryce Young up to succeed more so than the other teams, right? If if you go to other number one picks or top five picks at the QB spot, C.J. Stroud doesn't have as good of an offensive line as as Bryce Young does. Better yeah. left tackle with Laramie Tunsil, mm-hmm. but not better overall offensive line. Better weapons, and they lost Brandon Cooks. I know you got your boy Tank Dell down there, but I don't think you're talking about a fantastic wide receiver room. You have a new coach there with D'Amico Ryans, but he's even defensive-minded. As much as I love D'Amico Ryans, think he should have gotten that job and did, he's a defensive-minded guy. Everything that this team did was to support a potential playoff run, potentially building for the long term, but also to set up their number one overall pick for success as much as possible. 
And if he doesn't live up to that hype, it is going to be more disappointing, I think, for the QB than maybe an, uh, like Anthony Richardson. Not a lot going on right now that is right for the Colts. Mm-hmm. The Texans are not going to get the benefit of the doubt when something goes wrong with their young QB because it's the Texans organization. When have they been a well-oiled machine? Same thing with Will Levis. Will Levis, well, he's always been this raw prospect. If Bryce Young doesn't live up to whatever quote-unquote hype you want to give him, I think we are going to be like, oh, yeah, this is a... It doesn't mean that we're going to write him off, but I do think that comes with a little more doubt than some of these other QBs where everybody's going to be saying, ah, no, it was always going to take some time for them to cook. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head. The the, the pressure's on uh, for Bryce Young, but not as much, like I said, as with this coaching staff because people are going to think, oh, well, you guys, they're going to be scrutinized so much. And we know coaches already get that automatically but with this staff the way they've been held you're going to have a lot of people that's going to be waiting to come out and say I told you so uh, when they don't do the right things and when things don't go the the way that many people think that they would and so uh this 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 staff for sure they they have to make sure they're going to be on point which of course they will they, yeah. they're going to do their job but you're going to have people with unrealistic expectations to where every little thing that they do that they don't feel like is right they're going to be see i told you this staff isn't as good as what it's supposed to be hey, big cat dan writing in i like all the doomsday scenarios before the season starts lol look man we're giving you all the scenarios all right i mean this is how the off season works we're giving you all the scenarios we've talked about bryce young even in this show we've talked about bryce young doing the whole russell wilson thing leading this team to the postseason we gave you the good and the bad and maybe even a little bit of the ugly so we're giving you all sorts of scenarios here on wesson walker we're also giving you another edition of the fitty flash go ahead fitty what you got Little MLB trade deadline news for you guys. The San Diego Padres, they're under 500, but unlike the Mets, they're not being sellers at the deadline. They are being buyers. And they did so today in the form of acquiring left-handing starting pitcher Rich Dick Mountain Hill. Hill was 43 and is joining his 13th team and he's with a 7 and 10 record this year with a 4.76 ERA and 22 starts for the Pirates this season. More importantly, guys, if you were to be a Major League Baseball player, here we go. That had a nickname. What would your nickname uh, be? I have no clue. The one that I always go with is the mailman because I always deliver. But that works for any sport. So I don't know if that's too easy and a cop out of an answer to go to the baseball field as well. Yeah, I'll just go a Wild West and we'll keep it pushed. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Fitty? What would your nickname be? I'll probably strike out Marlo. <laughs> Simple, plain, no alliteration, no pun, just straight up strike out Marlowe. Love every bit of it. Um, feel free to uh, uh, text in your nickname if you want to. Just please, you know, make it a little bit more PG than what Rich Hill's nickname is. That sounds like the worst amusement park ever, by the way, Rich Hill's nickname does. Let's move on. <laughs> we'll get to Willie P on the other side of the break at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. 
Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... I'm Will Pelagic. Don't mind me. I'm just getting sad looking at Chris Sale's baseball reference page. Do you ever do that when you watch or look at some of your favorite players and they eventually fizzle out and it's just sad because they used to be among your favorites and now they're just not very good anymore? Sad for me, man. I don't know if there's any player that comes to mind for nah, you, Wes. Maybe Peter Warwick because he never did a ton in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's somebody. Willie joins us now in the Planet Kia studios. Is there anybody that comes to mind for you as having them be your favorite athlete or just someone you loved watching play and then eventually watching them kind of fizzle out a little earlier than expected? Uh, David Wright comes to mind right away. Uh, somebody whose career was, I think, blossoming at the beginning of his time with the New York Mets and then as a result of spinal stenosis and continued back issues and back injuries, just never able to put together the kind of career that uh, we felt like he deserved or was promised. So, so that that's the one that hits it for me. Um, I know that Mac and Bone were kind of talking about this regarding you, Willie, uh-huh. that you were fizzling out a little bit more uh-huh. sooner than expected. <laughs> I heard you talking about this on the Kyle Bailey show yesterday. You're going to uh-huh. be filling all week with Kyle Loud. Can you explain to the people, and even more importantly, as you did yesterday, can you explain to Mac and Bone that, no, you're not holding anything back. You are <laughs> still letting Mickey Mouse out. Steamboat Willie P, as we have dubbed you, that guy is still here to stay. He's, he's still Well, here's the other thing. The, the part that gets me is they say, oh, you're not going high anymore. I, I don't I, for, for a long time now, I haven't necessarily gone high on every goal because one of the things that was told to me is that you need to be able to build up to something like if you go high on every goal, it doesn't it's not special anymore. And so the the progression of what happened in Saturday's game is that there was a goal that happened very early. It shocked all of us because I didn't know that Brent Bronico had that one in his locker to take a phrase out of my uh, partner Jessica Charman's repertoire in Echelon. Uh, so that one was surprising. The second goal we thought was an own goal because of the angle that we saw it in. So I wasn't exact, that excited for, for that one. The R field goal was probably the best goal of the match. And I gave that one a lot of gusto. And then the fourth one was just, you know, the old uh, icing on the cake from Ajiman. So, I don't know what the hell they want. Like, I'm sorry. It, it, it's uh, I'm trying to feel the moment where the where the game is, and and I'm not going to just go you know crazy high C for, for no apparent reason. Oh, Seriously? But, oh, but high C is great though. I mean, if you wanted to bring some high C into the Planet Kia Studios, not to mention, not to mention, I'm planning on a deep run here in this tournament. We want we want a deep run in this tournament. Well, I'm glad you brought it up, Willie. Charlotte FC advanced to the knockout stage of the League's Cup. How important is that for the club's status in the MLS? I think it's incredible uh, because this is a situation right now where you saw the importance of what this tournament means for the league and the fact that both Liga MX and Major League Soccer 
cancel, well, not cancel, but postponed the resumption of their seasons to have this tournament played in the middle of the year. They want to really try to bridge the gap between the two biggest powers in CONCACAF, which is the the federation that controls the football in North and Central America. And I think uh, you're seeing Charlotte FC flourish now with an opportunity against a Cruz Azul team that has a very big following, but has not gotten off the the bus necessarily uh, from their standpoint in the early part of the Liga MX season. So they got a great opportunity to try and get themselves a victory on Thursday night in Dallas. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing whether or not they can continue, maybe even make a deep run. They could see Messi, by the way, as soon as the round of eight. So could be interesting to see uh, our first date with him might actually come sooner than expected. Yeah, and speaking of that, too, a big deal has been made about the turf and having to change it for him. What were your thoughts on that? And did you think that uh, Charlotte was making a smart move by saying that they're not going to change the surface for him? Well, I, I think, again, the, the, the whole debate about whether or not they should play on grass full-time and turf full-time, that's a separate discussion, I think. Because I think everybody who sat there and, and wanted one versus the other, we know the benefits of grass versus turf, et cetera, and so on. But we also know the reasons why turf is used in that stadium because of its multi-use nature. I, I don't think that you'd rather have a worse-off grass with the increased use on it. I think you would see a deterioration factor happen there. And I understand people say, oh, well, you can just resod it. Well, when every time you resod it, it doesn't necessarily hold its integrity in the water table stuff i can get into a very deep uh botany type discussion on that i don't want to go there because that's very wow. boring radio i love all of that but, uh, yeah willie p joins us for the mm-hmm. botany hour I'm coming not, up next week I'm, I'm not here for that but i'm also not here for trying to you know cater to one player who's not on our team like and that's going to be a very important match for charlotte fc in the latter part of the season on decision day let's say both these teams are going for a playoff run do you really want to be helping out your opponent if he really is that uh much in tune trying to actually make that happen and the other part of this too is Wes Atlanta's gonna get the first crack at this because they're gonna they're gonna play Atlanta uh in the MLS season before they see Charlotte so the precedent will already be set from that perspective because the turfs between Atlanta and Charlotte are relatively the same all right so two parts so for one is it just that he's worried about injuries and then for the other part uh, Charlotte's now sitting at 12th in the standing. So how are you feeling uh, just about the way they've been playing? And do you feel uh, better or worse about their postseason chances? Well, the the, the Messi, he, he's not said anything explicitly about whether he wants to play on turf or not. He's by nature not a very outgoing guy when it comes to doing media so he hasn't been asked about this hasn't said anything publicly about it a lot of this is kind of posturing from commissioner don garber and other factions who are making a lot of general assumptions about the way that certain players in the past have felt about turf Thierry Henry was very outspoken about it uh, beckham was outspoken about it when he played in the league and uh, a couple of other players kaka is another one who uh, refused to play on turf but for the most part most of the players in this league have played on turf, and it's okay. And, and and trust me, I've seen plenty of injuries happen on grass as well. I've seen torn ACLs happen on grass. I've seen uh, injuries to Achilles happen on grass. It's not just a turf thing. As far as where FC goes, look, I think you'll be able to tell a lot with how the stretch run will look like for them by how they do in this tournament. I think the tournament has become a very nice palate cleanser for them. You've seen some new relationships begin to form with Scott Arfield and Ashley Westwood in the midfield. And I also think, too, once you get some of those reinforcements in, Breck Dahara should be in by the time the MLS season resumes. Maybe a couple of other uh, signings on the way, potentially, uh, if they can get something done over the line here in the last couple of days before the transfer window closes. Uh, I'm very curious to see how they handle their business here from here on out. Willie, how much have you angered the Beehive explaining why Charlotte FC has to play in Dallas? I want no smoke from the Beehive. I want no smoke from from the Beyonce people. 
Uh, I know I, I made a couple of playful comments yesterday about, you know, she hasn't had a hit in forever, and that's why nobody on Charlotte FC had a favorite Beyonce Ooh, did song. Did they come after you after that? They did not. I, it's, right. I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not here for the Beehive. I, I don't know the the Venn diagram, the middle of that, that actually features WFNZ listeners and Beyonce. Like, I'm saying they're there. I don't know if there's enough to cause you pain after I will, a, a I will criticism. I will say I love Frenchie's Chicken. That's her favorite chicken spot in Houston from back when I lived there. So uh, maybe Will Kunkel can go down there and maybe uh, smooth out things now. All right, so now with you bringing Will Kunkel up, are you the best Will in the city of Charlotte with him leaving? I mean, I was before. I figured that was the answer, and you know <laughs> what? I like that answer, Willie. I like it very no much offense, so. No offense to Will Kunkel, but I like my hair over his. Can we go... <laughs> Did he gasp? What? Will Kunkel's hair? The second best Will hair in the city? Nonsense, is what Fiddy says. I did want to go around the room real quickly. Favorite Beyonce song? Mine's Upgrade, especially with Lil Wayne taking that beat and then rapping over it. It was amazing. Do you have a favorite Beyonce song, Wes? Yeah, uh, I would go with uh, Sweet Dreams. Sweet Dreams is great. Lil Wayne did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still in Beyonce's beats. Your favorite Beyonce beat, Fiddy? All the single ladies. Classic. What's yours? Um... Naughty Girl and or Crazy in Love. All right, Crazy in Love is fantastic. Last one, because you brought up botany. I did want to go to the Science Daily and bring up a topic on the botany page. What do you make of aphids making tropical milkweed less inviting to monarch butterflies? <laughs> I've, 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 I've no idea. Uh, well, Willie, no, look, I have no idea. Well, I mean, look, it's a real problem, okay? A lot, of, a lot of gardeners will tell you that aphids are the bane of their existence. Can you please tell these gardeners in the botany hour how they can avoid aphids because they want more monarch butterflies in their garden? As much as, 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 much as you can get the, uh, the pheromones going uh, and make sure it stays all natural. All that's, right. that's all I got for you. All right. Thank you very much. That's Willie P. Willie helping P. out with with Beyonce hits, with Botany, and Charlotte FC, all that sorts of stuff, and also has the best hair of any will in the city of Charlotte. I missed my calling, apparently, with the green thumb. You really did. I really would. You, you think I'm playing. I will host a podcast if you want to join. The Botany Hour. Walker Mail. <laughs> WFNZ.com. Wes and Walker. I'll, Willie, I'll, be, I'll be in touch. We appreciate it, Willie. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. Um, all right, that is the voice of Charlotte FC, a renaissance man around here doing it all, covering the Carolina Panthers, helping you out on post-game shows when the Charlotte Hornets are in season, and you can hear him every broadcast. Charlotte FC, the great Mickey Mouse, Willie, uh, Steamboat Willie voice of Charlotte FC. One more hour to go. Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.